This week, my guests on the show are Karen Hurt and David Dye. They're speaking to me today from Maryland in the States. They are the principals and owners of Let's Grow Leaders, a leadership development company. They've written a range of books between them on the subject of leadership, the latest of which is called Courageous Cultures, How to Build Teams of Micro-Innovators, Problem Solvers, and Customer Advocates. And we have a long, fascinating conversation today. This is a great, great episode. And we're going to cover things like their backgrounds, how they came from the corporate world into deciding to start their own leadership and development company, the kinds of organizations they work with, the kinds of services they offer and for whom, and some really interesting tips on how to get content out there in front of your ideal clients in a way that communicates the fact you can solve their problems and help them achieve their goals. What about showing up with your clients and giving them something of value. A lot of us often think of the IP that we own. We're sometimes reluctant to give away too much, but there is lots of value in giving content away, whether it's on articles, we talk about that, whether it's on a blog or newsletters, we talk about that too. And also giving content through maybe publications. And between them, Karen and David have managed to get their content published in publications like Forbes, Fast Company, and so on. Not very easy, but the way they explain this actually is really, really helpful. So if you've been struggling with how you get your content out there, how you communicate value to people that can need or do with what you do, the kinds of programs, workshops, and services that you offer, this is a cracking episode. This is the Training Business Podcast. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes. Hey, welcome to the Training Business Podcast. This is the weekly show for people like you and me, self-employed consultants, trainers, coaches. I'm privileged, really privileged to have people on the show every single week. Sometimes it's an episode with just you and I, um, as is the case for last week's episode. But most of the time, I have wonderful guests on who share their journey in terms of being coaches, consultants, trainers, uh, running their own business, whether it's solo with other people, sometimes as a couple. And um, it, the focus is really about the practicalities of converting what you know into programs, workshops, courses, keynotes, retreats, books, services and products that people want to pay for. That's why we call it Training Business, the Training Business Podcast. Now, listening to this, maybe you have your own expert business already. Um, I know some people think, well, you know, I'm good. I don't need any more help. But you'd be surprised how just some snippets of something that someone says makes you go, you know, that's a great way to get my content out there or to attract the kinds of ideal clients who, to me, are my ideal clients. And this is really what the show is all about. In terms of me, I'm a self-employed trainer, coach, and a published author. I say that modestly because all of these things are in some form still new to me. I'm doing this a number of years, but there's, there are things I still want to learn. And I learn these from having wonderful guests on the show. I've been employed, unemployed, self-employed, and I've learned something from every one of those stages in my life. So what about you? Well, every Thursday, there is an episode for you to help you wherever you are 
on this journey of becoming a paid speaker, um, a paid, um, let's say, developer of programs and intellectual property, which generates you an outcome. If you've not yet clicked on subscribe or follow, can I please ask you to pause this just for a moment and to click on subscribe or follow, depending on the podcast platform you're listening to this on now, because it costs absolutely nothing and takes only a couple of seconds. Karen, David, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks so much for having us. Delighted it's, to be here. It's been a while. We've been trying to uh, coordinate this for a while now, but we're finally here. Um, you're speaking to me today from Maryland, right? Yes. Okay. So let's start at the beginning because I'm intrigued about when I have the pleasure of having a couple on the show. I'm always interested in not just how they came together, but how they work together. Um you, Karen, if I could start with you, you have a, a background in, in the corporate world, 19 years, various multiple director roles. Um, what made you want to start a business in training and development? You know, so it's interesting. My The first decade, so I was at Verizon for almost two decades. The first uh, mm. decade was all leadership development, organizational development, human resources. I led a large training organization while I was there. So have a background at uh, graduate degrees and that stuff. So that that part made sense. Well, then I went out and did a variety of field assignments. So I led a 2,200-person sales team, a 10,000-person customer service organization. It was in that final role, once I'm now not teaching, doing training and development, that I was in this ops role where uh, I was brought in to transform what was uh, was once our vendor management organization uh, which is all the outsourced call centers, the BPOs that take Verizon's calls. And okay. uh, when Verizon first started selling the iPhone for a while, AT&T had had exclusive rights back in the day. Mm. Uh, they had ramped up all these external call centers super fast. And you don't even have to be in the call center business to know that you can't put up a 5,000 or, or 500 or 1,000 person call center in 30 days and have a good quality customer experience. So, but all these companies had tried to do that and uh, so they asked me to go, because I, I'm a culture person, they said, go work with these companies, figure out which ones we've got to close, which sounds like a very terrible job for me because I'm a human-centered leader. So I said, how about this? How about I work with these companies and help them get to parity with the internal centers, no matter who takes the call? What if the mission is to help them create a better customer experience? And I'm like, all right, go for it. That's what you're trying to do. Well, we did. And as I was going in and working with all these different executives in these different companies, as I was um, doing focus groups, as I was understanding how they could build a great culture, how they could get a better customer experience, how they could get better employee engagement, you know, in a very low margin, uh, com you know, company situation where it's very difficult to pull people off the phones uh, to even do coaching and development. Oh, that's true. I was, yeah, I was having to really simplify because at Verizon, you have a lot of resources, but in these companies, you know, how do you make leadership development, employee engagement, culture, how do you simplify it? And uh, so as I was doing that, I was writing, I began writing a blog so that these outsourced call centers could read the blog. That was really the intention. And so I was writing a blog. I was trying to make things really practical. Well, the blog blew up, got an international following. People started calling and saying, will you be our keynote speaker? When are you going to write your book? Uh, you know, And it's like, uh, no, I have this job. And so one day I was uh, one of the outsourced uh, COOs. 
uh, said, look, I'm on the board, International Customer Service Association. Will you be our keynote speaker? Like, all right, shoot, sure. I'll go be your keynote speaker. So I did that. And I got off the stage and the guy coming up next uh, was Shep Hyken, who, as it turns out, was the president of National Speakers Association. And he said to me, when are you going to leave Verizon and do this? And I said, did I say that from the stage? Because I was pretty nervous. It's like, no, but you're clearly meant to do this. You are supposed to go do this. So I gave it some thought, right? Now, when everybody starts to tell you you're supposed to do something, I'm sorry to pay attention. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, the, so I gave Verizon four months notice and started Let's Grow Leaders. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, David? What was your route to, to this journey? So my uh, industry background was in human services. So I had a 17-year uh, background in that industry, and I was a variety of roles serving as an executive director and then CEO of the national organization. And uh, similar to Karen, I was doing a lot of leadership development internally, and I'm working with executive directors and their leadership teams around the country. And you get to a point where you just can't talk to everybody individually. So I started the blog, writing a leadership blog in order to communicate those messages more broadly. Similarly, blogs get a life of their own, go beyond that. And uh, when I uh, looked at my own performance evaluations one day over, I don't know what had brought me to them, I realized that a consistent theme for me in the enjoyment of my work was helping leaders become the best version of themselves. That's always been from a very young age, something I've enjoyed. And it, the light bulb went on. Let's make a business out of this. Let's do that. And I was enjoying doing it so much. It was the thing about my job I most enjoyed, decided I wanted to do that and build the business around it. And so transitioned out, started uh, my own business, wrote my first book. So we had each written uh, a book uh, individually uh, and self-published to those. And in the process, Karen and I met online, uh, not the swipe right or left kind, but in, in the, I would have swiped the correct direction, uh, but in the, uh, leadership writing space. So we're both blogging and Karen started a leadership blog festival and would invite other uh, leadership authors to be in. So we met in those circles and realized that our writing and message and approach to leadership, that practical human-centered approach coming from two different industries that were very, very different, hmm. but the approach was very, very similar. We had a lot of alignment uh, there and that's how we first connected. Right. So your, your strap lines, or at least your two, uh, the two points that stand out to me from your website are one, convincing leaders that you can get breakthrough results without losing your humanity and giving managers the practical tools to make the change and to make the change stick. Perhaps talk a bit about those points. Why humanity? Why practical? Why sustaining or making change stick? Mm. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that we both noticed and was really central to the work that we were doing is we were noticing a pattern where People were, so many managers were either focusing so hard on results that they were burning themselves out, they were burning out employees, they were creating toxic environments, or they were going in the other direction and they were being so human centered and nice, right? And they're just so not nice, quote, that they weren't getting the results. And that frustrates 
people too, right? And so you're actually not serving someone if you let your slacker slide and everybody's frustrated. So we talk about landing in the and of sh- showing up in any moment with confidence and humility, focus on results and relationships. And when you can get that cocktail going, mm. that's where you get sustained results at last. That's where you get employee engagement. That's where you build these great cultures. And so everything we do is really founded in that. And it was interesting because uh, the where did this practical thing come up? I, we didn't set out to be like, oh, we want to be the really practical ones. But what, because that seems kind of boring. But what we noticed that no matter what happened, we'd leave a keynote stage. We do an executive development program. We would do a, a training program. Every single time, the words that came out of people's mouth were, oh my gosh, that's the most practical leadership training I've ever done. And we're like, all right, <laughs> that's our brand. Yeah. Uh, embrace it. And, you know, because Actually, that I mean, we and we really do care about that because, you know, there's a lot of particularly keynote speakers who will rile you up and motivate you. And you're like, yes, I'll go do it. But if you don't know what practically to go do, you you had a nice day, but you won't have really changed your, your, your results, your leadership or your team. And so we try to break things down just like I did when I first started writing that blog to make things simple. So we try to give you know, people a roadmap. We give people acronyms to remember, step-by-step ways to do things. And, and that approach really came out of and was born from our career work as well. So Karen mentioned she's helping people in a resource-strapped environment. Well, I was in human service, nonprofit NGO environments, again, resource-strapped. People don't have a lot of time for theory. And, uh, It's important and it's good that people are doing that work and what a manager needs today to get those results. That's always what we want to put in their hands is here's the thing you can do right now that's going to help you, help your team, help your influence and help you achieve the results that you're there to achieve. So what kinds of organizations do you work with? It's really interesting. It is quite a range. Mm -hmm. Uh, We find a sweet spot for us are fast growing, um, often venture backed. Uh, companies, often tech, where they have grown and they haven't done a lot of leadership development. And so they're really interested in the really practical tools. So we have a number of clients like that, but we have also worked with a variety of the big guys. So um, our biggest client right now is Nestle. And that's why we're in Switzerland uh, the other day. And uh, we are doing extensive culture work with them. Uh, they're working to build what they call care and dare culture, which really aligns with our courage, our last book, Courageous Cultures. And, you know, again, how do you care and create that empathy and dare to take appropriate risks, bring forward new ideas and land in the end of that? So they really resonated with our Courageous Cultures research and work. And then we've worked with them to apply that at an executive level and a middle management level. And now we're talking about strategies to take that all the way through their factories. Mm-hmm. So that that's super fun, uh, particularly because we get to go to Switzerland. And uh, but we've you know we've done uh, work with Amazon over the years, uh, uh, other companies that you would recognize, as well as government, uh, National mm-hmm. Institutes of Health. Um, I'm working right now with a very exciting project uh, with a major hospital that's very focused on human-centered leaders. So, you know, a variety, a variety because people are people and the need to have accountability conversations, the need to have great one-on-ones, the need to run effective meetings, all of that uh, is, is really industry agnostic. I suppose for people listening, those are dream clients. Um, there are organizations much bigger than yours or my business that would go through perhaps some kind of um, 
agonizing in terms of, are we too small for them? How can we work with an organization like Amazon or Nestle as a two, three, four, five person company? Mm-hmm. What is it like to work with organizations of that size? And how do you get in the door in your experience? So the, how do you get in the door with Nestle is an interesting one from a, a, a marketing and sales perspective. So as we were writing our book, uh, Courageous Cultures, we did a great deal of of research. So we partnered with the University of North Colorado on quantitative research. We also did a good bit of qualitative research where I I spent a good bit of time on LinkedIn just saying, who's doing this? What, you know, who's really the expert? What are their stories? And I ran across what Nestle Switzerland was doing in terms of some of their DE&I initiatives. And so I did not, I was not connected to them. I did not know them, but I did reach out via LinkedIn messaging. And I just said, I was not trying to sell. I just said, Hey, I noticed you're doing this with DE and I. It seems very aligned with our courageous cultures research. May I interview you? And did. And I was very impressed with what they were doing because it was aligned. Right. And so a year later, uh, one of the people that I had interviewed over there, uh, reaches out and sends me an email and says, Hey, Karen, uh, interestingly, you had said, so I sent her books as a follow-up as a thank you once the book was out. She's like, interestingly, um, you're, I have not, I had not yet read your book. And it was like a year later, but it's been sitting on my desk for a year. And my CEO just came to me and has this vision and he wants to build a care and dare culture. And I'm get, I get off the, out of that meeting with him and I look over and there's this book that is exactly what I think we should be doing. So I went home and I did read your book over the weekend and this is it. So would you be interested? Here's what we're trying to do. We want to do executive development. We want to do this development. Uh, Could you put together a proposal? And so that's how we got in the door. Now, we're not doing Nestle corporate, so that would be very big if we tried to do everything all at once over there, but we are doing with Nestle Switzerland, and that was a small enough part of Nestle that we were able to do it and manage it ourselves. The um, Amazon, one guy who I knew back from my Verizon day, Matt, in one of those uh, outsource call center, incredibly human-centered leader built the relationship, have been reading our blog since 2012. And uh, he grew in Amazon, became a global leader. And so as he's had events uh, and different programs, and then particularly during the pandemic, when everything had to shift to live online, he said, hey, what can you guys do? And so we worked with him uh, in a variety of one-off things, uh, but but multiple programs. Some have been in person, some have been uh, live online, but we don't go through central HR of Amazon. It's like, yeah. it's him and us and, <laughs> organizing that. And typically that's uh, the, the approach that's going to work best is when you're talking about any of these really large companies, there's a person who, or two people who are interested, we need this. And then you get to work with a team of people. So you can leverage a small organization by working with tiers of leadership. And we will often do that approach where we're starting with an executive leadership team and then working with the next level and then the next level, and then equipping them perhaps to do the the work on an ongoing basis. What Karen shared with regard to the, um, the, the gentleman who had been following the blog and then the book are all examples of content. 
And so for us, content is critical. Um, when you talk about how you get in the door, we have specific articles that we've written that over the years, we can easily track six, six figures of revenue um, to that one article in some cases. And so for us, sharing answers to questions that our ideal clients need answers to, uh, that's and putting that out into the world, that has been a huge source of business for us, in the, in, especially initially. Mm-hmm. And then over time, you get the referrals, you get the repeat business, you get the, oh, I heard you and I went to Dandelions, I was at this company. We have a long-term now global tech cl- a client who they're a dandelion from a dandelion. So we had we did some little bit of work. Somebody moved to another organization. We did more work. Somebody from that moved to here. And now we're doing even more work with this third. That's why tech is great because everybody moves around. <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. Enablement. Yeah, it's so true. Um, some people would call that the Trojan horse technique. That's what I've heard it called before. I love what you did there, which is that you... You interview someone. I'm not saying to people, by the way, do this. I'm, I just think this is a, a lovely approach. You approach someone to get their spin on things, their perspective. People often like that, being interviewed as a subject matter expert. You you give them something then that extols the virtue of your knowledge. And in time, they see this, they read it, and they go, hang on a sec. This is what we're looking for. Um, it, it just shows how sometimes knocking on the front door with all the, the budgets that companies spend on advertising, uh, Facebook, TikTok, LinkedIn, that often doesn't do it. But having a relationship, having someone read something, that is something which causes people to go, hang on a sec, let's bring you in. I'm just so, interested in how you, you've broken it down to a human relationship and giving content that actually makes people go, that's it. Well, 100%. If somebody calls, so I do our marketing and sales. So if someone calls and says, Hey, I read, I, they come to us. Hey, I read your book. I read an article and I've got this leadership program that we're looking to build, or I need a keynote speaker. It's very easy to close. Close rates are very uh, if, if I am trying to say, Hey, do you want to meet me to be your speaker? Hey, Sherm, Virginia, do you want me to be your speaker at your, at your conference? Everybody's knocking on their door. It's so much better if it's a it's a, you know, they're coming to you and then you just have to do, you know, have the conversation and it's less stressful. <laughs> like cold yeah. calling is stressful. Yeah. And and these days you shouldn't really have to, your content should be the thing that's going forth and inspiring people. Um, so something crum- comes to mind here, which is the, the channel through which people consume this content. You've got the book, you've got your blog, but you've also got some articles in some really interesting places, which I'm sure not everyone gets to publish in, which is top tier publications like um, Fast Company, Forbes, etc. If I were asking a question right now from, from my mind, I would say, how did you do that? How did you get your articles in those top tier publications? When we, when we are promoting a book, we hire a publicist to help with that. And interestingly, um, some of those came from my first self-published book, which wasn't even that great of a book compared to what we write now, but it had an intriguing title. It was called Overcoming an Imperfect Boss. And Fast Company and Inc., they they wanted to hear about that. So I think that's good. And then I think for Courageous Cultures, 
uh, we did, you know, like I said, we did invested real money in research. I mean, the, the research was not a quick poll. It was, it was, you know, validated statistical with a team of PhDs working on it. And so when we go approach magazines for that, you've got some, it's not just, I have something to say, yep. but I have, a, there's a hook there. Mm. And then building those relationships, you know, it was like, so that this, once that one happens, those frequently, as with other industries, those reporters are uh, in those magazines for a while and can come back when they need something or the editor who you wrote a story for is able to come back or you can go to them. So as you're doing it once, invest in the relationship. The other thing I would say in terms that's really working for us is video. Uh, but not on YouTube. I I don't know. I cannot get anybody to. <laughs> to but I cannot. <laughs> Thank you for your manage, honesty. <laughs> like the the search engines, I guess can't yeah. crack the code on YouTube. I do not know why. Um, but uh, but LinkedIn. I know that we. I absolutely know that we've gotten consistent work because people watch my asking for a friend show on LinkedIn, which is sometimes I'm interviewing other thought leaders. Sometimes it's just me. Uh, giving advice. I try to do that from sexy locations. Uh, so it's got an interesting backdrop, uh, but uh, that has worked. And we know at least once multiple six year figure contract came from um, what initiated from a LinkedIn uh, video. And then I run a podcast, uh, Leadership Without Losing Your Soul. That's a, a top ranked leadership podcast. But the the I think the the big picture around all this content is as you said, it's about being present when somebody needs something, but you don't know when that is. And right. so, it, you know, it's amazing to us how often we'll get a call from somebody who we haven't heard from, who has, we have no idea. They're not liking, they're not commenting on anything. They're not leaving a review of the podcast or click on Karen's video program on LinkedIn. And yet they're paying attention. And when they have that need for the leadership development or to solve a culture issue or what have you, and the right thing pops up in front of them, they call you. So that's the, the critical piece of being the consistency aspect of content and content marketing from our perspective. Yeah. So I'm keynoting a really interesting conference uh, coming up that is, uh, it's a conference of meeting planners, right? So that's where you want to be. And the woman, I said, how did you find me? And she's like, oh, I've been following you probably for 10 years. You know, and, and like, who would, I've never, I didn't know her name. I, I, she's not commenting. She, you know, uh, but apparently she's just been subscribed. So that's good. In some ways that's frustrating because, because, <laughs> you, you know, you've got those lurkers out there that don't seem to be there. They're invisible. They're there. You can sometimes see on the stats and the po podcast downloads with the videos, but there's no engagement. And all of a sudden click, they, they pop out of the woodwork and uh, want to buy. Um, most of us would find this a little bit um, intimidating because we want to feel that once we put something out there, we get a reaction. But that reaction, which is the thing that brings in the business, that might be delayed, which you've made as a point several times. It could take a couple of years. 10 years is a long time. It could happen. It could be a keynote that someone sees a recording of or sees live. It could be a referral. It could be a relationship from a previous role. There's a whole bunch of points from which business can come. Um, but to your first point today, as, as advice for listeners, it's to consistently produce great content that helps your ideal client solve their problems and achieve their goals. Um, so you work with a publicist, you've written a couple of books. Dan Pink is uh, someone who's given you a kind testimonial. That's super valuable, right? For sure. Yeah. Um, how do you know what to write? 
about, because you write from the heart, obviously human-centered leadership is important to you. Yeah. Is there anything that you use to say, okay, this is the format it should take. This is the, the, the keywords, the structure, the language. This is the stuff that's top of people's minds. That's interesting. There are two questions that you just asked mm. in that one question. And one is yes. about SEO format structure and the other is about content. And so I'm going to yeah. okay. tackle the content and then let Karen mm-hmm. try the other piece. So we approach content from a number of different directions, but my favorite principle is what I call know your Jennifer. And that's because way back when I started, wrote my first book and so forth, I was really struggling because I had all these critical voices in my head from CEOs and things who maybe weren't as human-centered. And they were in my head going, well, that's dumb. I don't need to know that. Rah, rah, rah. And then one of my early clients named Jennifer wrote me an email, asked me a question. She needed help. Oh, I got an answer for that. Like no writer's block at all. Just flew out of my fingertips. So knowing who your, your ideal client is and what their specific challenges are and helping them solve those is always, to me, the best form of content. So the posts that I find do the best are typically where one of our clients during a program said, hey, Karen, David, what do you do with XYZ? And we look at each other and go, have we written about that? No, we haven't. Huh, what do we think about that? Okay, and here's a solution. And those usually do really well. Yeah, it just happened. Uh, so someone said, how do you say no? Like, how do you say no to the right things so that you could say yes to the other things? Mm. Like, that's a really good, we've never written on that. And that that has ended up being one of our most popular articles of last year, of the whole year. And it was written in no, end of November. So it only had a month to become the, one of the most popular. So that's a popular post, right? And uh, it, it, so I think those are the things that are really pain points. Also, from your own frustrations. So I just wrote an article about ghosting uh, at work. So, you know, people not showing up for interviews, uh, uh, what is particularly frustrating for your listeners, I am sure, is when somebody calls you and wants to do a leadership development program and you spend 20 hours putting together a beautiful uh, deck. They ask you to make this revision and this revision and what if and this, and can you meet with this guy? You can meet with that guy. And then they go away and they totally ghost you. Like you have an appointment on the calendar and they don't show up and they don't show up for it. Like Like, all they have to do is say, we went in another direction, but that ghosting is really, so that article, I I mean, I made it very universal about all the kinds of ghosting, but it came from a, I mean, David could hear me screaming upstairs. Yeah. How rude could this person be? And so it's a very passionate article because it's out of my own um, and yeah. it's doing really well. <laughs> what, what what fires you up? Yeah. yeah. Passion on comes the tap. Was that something you published online or in? Yeah, it's a, just on our blog. Yeah. Okay. So typically right. our approach, everything starts on our blog. Right. So the, the, you know, we do an article uh, that comes out on Monday. We send a, a then there's a Karen's asking for a friend that will get a post. And then there's the podcast. All of those get a post. We have three posts over the course of a week on our site. Then a newsletter that goes out to all of our subscribers that features those three plus often wherever else we might've been featured out in the world in different magazines or shows. So it's a weekly newsletter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So three posts. Um, Mm And then is there any content in there besides the three posts? You said, I think other engagements or other things from the week. Is that right? Uh, if we if we had a cool engagement of some kind, we might yeah. feature that. If we were like on your show and we wanted to put that in the newsletter, say, hey, what have we what have been talking about when this uh, airs? 
we'll be you know featured mm-hmm. those. Yeah, we but- like courageous cultures in the news, and then like so, and if we're featured in Fast Company or whatever, we just put that. There's right. a section for that. And do you then- write that, or do you hire VAs to do that kind of thing? We have a we have an operations coordinator who pulls all pulls the newsletter together, and she is she is right. amazing. Uh, she does yeah. so. Uh, she's practically, I mean, she's practically full time uh, for us doing all kinds of scheduling of our programs, interfacing. She does a lot of client support. Uh, you know, so they all of our clients know her and and call her before they call us on logistics things. And then you know, with the content, so you've got the three posts that start on our site. The newsletter that combines all of it goes to subscribers once a week. Then from there, out to social media. So LinkedIn is our number one place where we'll feature those, some of that content every week in some fashion uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, and that's our primary. We'll do a little bit with Instagram or sometimes mm-hmm. Twitter, but it's really about LinkedIn. We're a little us. over Twitter at this moment, <laughs> but... Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that come back in fashion despite uh, other circumstances or events recently. People are saying Twitter is also a uh, LinkedIn primarily, but uh, Twitter is a good uh, plan B for. Yeah. We, I, we put most of our eggs in the LinkedIn basket because mm. that's where, that's where the COOs, that's where our the buyers are, yeah. are hanging out. They're not really hanging out on Instagram, not, not for leadership stuff. No, nor TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> like you never know. You never um, know. Your second point was show up generously with your clients and other thought leaders. What does that mean in a practical sense? I mean, I get the theme of it, uh, you know, give, 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 get. But what does that mean practically in terms of showing up with clients and thought leaders? I think it's, you know, well, clients and thought leaders are different. uh, But so I think for clients, it's, you know, we have some people who, some of our friends, um, who are like really nit, like, no, you can't record the session. No, you can't, you know, they're, they're very focused on, oh my gosh, my IP. And if I let it, if I let them mm. put it in their internet, then what if somebody sees it? And then I didn't get paid for the licensing. And we just don't, that's just not how we go. Uh, we're just like, oh, sure. Put it on your, because the more people, because if, if somebody hears an hour, well, like where we make our money is if somebody does a you know a long-term six-month leadership development program. If somebody gets value from watching a one-hour keynote that we you paid us to come in and and you want to reuse that a million times, we're we're good. And that's good word of mouth because you know somebody says, Hey, you know, what are you doing there? Like, oh, I learned that from these guys. And then and, and you know, like just not nickel and diming things, you know. Uh, oh, you're gonna do a Sure. Like I just, I'm doing a, a keynote for um, a healthcare system and they needed books last minute. They decided that the last minute they wanted books. Well, the only way I get that many books that fast is just go directly to the publisher using my publisher discount. Uh, I'm not going to make a penny from any of those books, but 700 people are going to read our book. And I, I think that's worth it. And, and so I think it's, it's those kinds of things, or, you know, um, I, we have one of our, our larger clients, uh, we do extensive work with them. Well, the CEO calls me all the time and Sunday afternoon, Karen, I'm really fired up about this and this and this, you know, I said, I'm not charging him for that. Right. But I have access to the CEO and he's doing a lot of other work with us. So I think it's that kind of thing. It's it's not. You could legitimately charge five hundred or a thousand dollars for X Y Z activity, but are you doing that out of context at the expense of that fifty or hundred thousand dollar contract? That doesn't make any sense. We're giving that in the bigger context 
makes all the sense in the world and creates a good reciprocity um, for for both. Yeah, people. you're and right. That doesn't mean give away. That doesn't mean you know. I mean, if somebody calls me right now and says, "Hey, will you come be our keynote speaker because we have a women's leadership conference?" But because we're women and because we don't have any money, I'm like, "Well, I'm a professional keynote speaker, so I'm not your woman." Yeah. So I mean, I'm not saying give away everything, but it's just in the showing up generous in your relationships, uh, I think is. And you can be, you can be generous in your charitable giving as well. Uh, and even if that's providing the service you provide, but to be intentional about it. So it's not just, you know, having this bleed of time and energy that isn't intentional, but it's, I'm being intentional about, yeah, I'm Mm going to do that program for free because I believe in the cause and because it fills my soul and because this, and I have the time to do it. I'm conscious about that. That's a very different decision than just saying yes to everybody who wants something. And, and with, and maybe you want to speak to that done more talking, you want to speak to the thought leaders, generosity and how that. Yeah. So with the thought leadership, uh, generosity piece is, uh, you know, there (laughs) I'm thinking of, um, uh, Brian Tracy, for instance. So Brian Tracy, you know, everybody knows Brian Tracy, productivity and all the books he's written. We had a chance to talk with him in person when we were keynoting the HR Asia conference in Singapore. And he was also speaking uh, and promoting a book. Well, we took the opportunity to record an interview with him and uh, we talked about his book and he said, now what's your book? And he said, let's get that up here and pulls it up and makes sure it's on camera. And it's Brian Tracy endorsing it and talking about it. Like, that's cool. And so we got done. We said, you know, thank you so much for doing that. We weren't expecting that level of, and uh, he said, listen, this is hard business. We are all in this together. And absolutely, we got to promote one another's work, you know, and it was something we already believed, but to have him say it with, from where he was coming from and And Marshall Goldsmith is another one who does, you know, there's just this generosity of spirit of um, promoting one another's work. When you find something good to share it online, to, to be cross-promoting. I love uh, on the podcast and Karen's show, we'll interview other thought leaders and promote their books. And it's Mm -hmm. about selling their stuff. But the way that I look at it is there is this chorus of human centered leadership, and we're trying to recreate the workplace that's a bigger undertaking than just me and Karen. Right. And that takes all of us. And so we're all voices in that choir. And if we're singing in harmony, it's resonant and it has more impact. And so, uh, and somebody always knows something you don't know. So you're also learning from one another. And then it also creates reciprocity. And it's not, it's not give, give, give to get. It's give, give, give. Getting happens. But yeah. that's the that's the principle. Yeah, and 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 not being not viewing people as competitors. You know, we have a, a a person who we knew from National Speakers Association. She's been on my show a couple times. I think uh, Sarah's been on your show. Uh, we promoted her books as they've come out. Well, she is on the board of a a nonprofit. It would be a conflict of interest for her to do the leadership development work. So she put our names in front of it and. It's going to be a big, it is going to be a very important client for us this year. And, you know, we, we didn't promote Sarah. So because we thought, oh, she might be on a board someday. Maybe, right. Like it just, it just shows up and you're somebody that people 
they believe in your product because they know you and they, and I think that's part of it too, is that yeah. you are building real relationships with and people. You're doing that. And as you're, you're also serving your clients. So as the people following you on social media, when I, when I share something, I try to only share things that I legitimately think are very cool and helpful to people. And so when I'm sharing that, I'm doing a service to whoever ends up consuming that content and using it as well as the thought leader who produced it. So it's just, it's creating that kind of a world and it works. And it's more fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it has to be, you know, it has to be something that uh, is linked to your values. We're not just doing it to get something back, but, um, and I think people who are in the world of learn learning and development typically have this instinct to help others. Um, very few successful trainers, I think, are people who don't give a damn about the people they're training. <laughs> We yeah. want to see them succeed. We want to see them improve, overcome obstacles, and yeah. uh, do what they're here to do. And we're, in a way, a conduit. Uh, I think I see myself as a catalyst sometimes. Um, and it, it all makes sense. When we, when we give to the world through our training, through our coaching, through our programs, uh, we get it back in, in, in volume. The third thing is every interaction with clients should make you smarter. That's the last point today. Um, so you can solve those emerging problems in your content marketing messages and coaching and training. Every interaction with clients should make you smarter. Let, let's uh, look at that one for a second. I, I love this principle. And we have learned so much about so many different industries and the nuances of different aspects of industries that weren't our industries. We had the leadership expertise to bring to the table, but now we know that much more about that industry, for instance, and that equips you to be more intelligent and more effective with others in that industry in the future. So that's one example, but there's also the, your core content and your way of approaching things. The world's changing, the world's evolving. So if you're listening to your client, to the questions they're asking, to the problems they're having, to the evolution of how they're using your tools and paying attention to that, they're giving you so much information uh, about yourself and about them that is so valuable in how you're, you're implementing your work. Yeah. You know, it's easy to get defensive, right? You know, you think you've got a really good process and, you know, it worked over there. So it must be something wrong with this group. If they, you know, if it's worked for 10 times, what's wrong with these? Well, what, well, let's talk about what's different about this group. And it's just show up really curious about that. As we've uh, worked more internationally, we have found that some of the things that work really great in New York City, um, the folks in Switzerland, it's not so true. much, right? Yeah. Uh, or Southeast Asia. And you have to sh start with a kind of humility and say, all right, what, uh, I'm here to serve them. How do I change this so that they, they can still benefit from this tool or this process? But I've got to think about how it's really going to work in their culture. Yeah, there, there's lots to be said in terms of being culturally aware um, and and sensitive to the way people expect us to help them. And um, I've noticed that many times. You you assume that the program that we've had great success with in X country will just roll into that country. It'll be seamless, not at all. Even sometimes in the same country. And I'm I'm yeah. thinking about a, a story that I've used on stage. Early in my career, many times it was inspirational and moving, uh, tears in many audiences. And then I hit an audience as, as the world shifted and changed, who had a person who came up afterwards and compassionately said, David, I know it's not your heart, but that story I found to be offensive. And here's why. And I'm not the only person in the room. I can guarantee it. I didn't want to hear that, but 
processed it two, three days, I have removed the story. It was hurtful to people in a way I never intended. Mm -hmm. But even in the same country, in the same society, culture shifts. And we need to be aware of those trends and, and, and things. And we have an opportunity to learn that if we're paying attention. And do you touch upon that in your book, Finally, Courageous Culture? That, that, no, I think it happened yeah. after we wrote it. I think it was okay. after that one. Yeah. Yeah. So where can people find out more about you, get their hands on your books? Um, yeah. And again, I'm still really um, inspired by the fact that you got Dan Ping to um, give you that testimonial. That's high praise indeed. Where can people find about you more about you and your books and things? So our website is the best place. It's Let's Grow Leaders. And there's all kinds of information about our programs and our books all there. Uh, we'd love to connect with people on LinkedIn. And if you do that, it's uh, Karen with an I, Karen Hurt, and uh, David M. Dye, uh, D-Y-E. Wonderful. Karen, David, thank you so much for being my guests today on the show. Uh, thank you. It's been absolutely our pleasure. My huge thanks to Karen and David for spending time with me. Today is Friday, the 20th of January, and um, we had a great conversation, and I'm super grateful to them for taking time out of their week as a couple to share some really, really interesting tips. And I've, I've written down a, a bunch of things, and I'm thinking of a couple of points I can put into action right away. So a super valuable episode, I'm sure you'll agree. And of course, my thanks to you for your time this week in taking time to tune in to this podcast episode. There are plenty of podcasts out there, but you've chosen to spend time listening to this week's episode. Um, if you've got suggestions or questions about any of the content on today's show, please email me, mark at trainingbusiness.com. My team, Sam, Joe, James, Turul, and I really appreciate your loyalty and your time. And uh, we'd love you to tune in again next week. So please click on follow or subscribe to be notified of great episodes. Fresh episode next Thursday morning. Until then, keep going and keep in touch. Bye for now. Thanks once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. See you next time.